you know, I've learned more about myself than anything else, like through uh, just these, you know, unconventional relationship styles, because you really have to be um, secure in yourself as a person, your worth as a person, um, because otherwise you're just constantly going to be making comparisons and putting yourself down um, and instead of, you know, just appreciating other people for how they are different from you. Welcome to Normalizing Non-Monogamy, the podcast where we interview incredible people from across the entire spectrum of non-monogamy to hear their fascinating stories. We strive to bring guests on the show who have a healthy approach to non-monogamy. However, it's important to remember that everyone does it a little bit differently, and the views and opinions expressed by our guests do not necessarily reflect our own. Additionally, we produce this show for entertainment purposes only. Please be aware that we aren't doctors or therapists. Consult the medical professional for anything regarding your health that you might learn about on the show. Enjoy! Welcome to episode 173. We're Finn and Emma, and today we have an amazing conversation with Leanne. Yeah, Leanne reached out to us uh, actually back in the beginning of the year and had a great conversation with her. She's actually one of our youngest if not our young, um, not our youngest, but one of our youngest guests close, ever close, yeah. and coming to us all the way from the UK. So she's only 22, uh, just out of university. And I mean, it's, it's an amazing conversation. She's been exploring non-monogamy since she was uh, non, yeah, non-monogamy. I don't know. <laughs> We're recording in the car and somebody drove by and, it gave you got me, distracted. and I got distracted. We're parked. We're not driving and recording. Anyway. <laughs> uh, yeah, she's been doing this since she was 17 and it's just, a, it's a fascinating story. And also if you listened a couple months back to our episode with Zach, where he was talking about the Yale Orgy Club, uh, Leanne has experience with an Orgy Club at a different university. And we've actually got a little bit of an update on something I talk about yeah. At the end of this episode. Yeah. Um, so stick around to the outro um, for an update on some collaboration stuff we're doing that's coming up. So that was kind of a spoiler. But anyway, <laughs> thank you, Leanne, for reaching out. We're super excited. And she runs the blog Polyphilia. And all of the links for her stuff are in our show notes at normalizingnonmonogamy.com or in your podcast player. Uh, you can click directly to them and learn about where you can find all of the great stuff she's working on. So again, thank you, Leanne, for all the work and for putting everything out there. It was great having you on the show. Yes, thank you. Before we jump into your interview, of course, normal things, we have announcements. Uh, the first up is our next virtual meet and greet is April 17th. That's a Saturday this time from 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern or 6 to 8 Pacific. Uh, but we'd love to have you join us. These are open to anyone. They're a blast. We You get you have two hours to meet a bunch of different people in different Zoom rooms and have a talking point, And it's just it's super fun. So they're $10 to join to sign up, go to our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com, and click on the meet and greet tab. Or go in the show notes of your podcast player. There are direct links there to sign up. And yeah, easy, easy. And also, we want to do a huge shout out. Thank you to our Patreon members. We love this community, and we're so thankful for each one of you who joined. A few announcements for our upcoming Patreon call dates. We have our monthly Q&A actually tonight uh, for March will be March 24th. We have one at 9 p.m. Eastern and another one at 9 p.m. Pacific. And then we also have one and we'll have another one in later in April. Um, we have women's calls and men's calls, uh, group calls. The next women's call is April 24th, 21st, I'm sorry. And the men's group call is April 20th. Again, information on our website. Just click on the Patreon button and you'll find out more. And how to join. And just a quick update on that as well. Uh, Emma said a huge thank you to everybody. I want to echo that and also say we've gone over 160 members. 
and growing. So thank you again. And it's an awesome community. We hope to see you there. Check it out. The last thing we want to talk about is Power of Witness. We did this series back at the beginning of the year. It was a six-part series collaboration with Catherine. It was is basically group coaching, um, and it was fantastic. We've gotten so much amazing feedback on it. She is running a Power of Witness cohort that is not going to be on our show, uh, that is private. So you could join that. There are links in the show notes, again, how to join, how to save a couple bucks. And it's an affiliate link, so we get a little bit of kickback, so it supports the show. So the deadline to sign up for is April 4th at midnight, and her next cohort will start on April 12th. So go again. Like Finn said, the links are in our show notes. Use those. You get a discount for signing up and supporting the show. And if you haven't yet listened, go back and listen to Power of Witness to see what it's all about. Yep, there's Uh, six episodes. So yeah, it was fantastic. And thank you to anybody who was a part of it that's listening. Y'all are awesome. Yes. So thank you. Very much so. And finally, don't forget, you can find us over at normalizingnonmonogamy.com. Click on the Contact Us page, send us a voicemail, send us an email. If you have any questions or thoughts, we'd love to hear from you. You can also We read them all, listen to them all, and respond to every single one. We do. And you can also find podcast show notes on our website as well, along, along with a bunch of other information. So go check out our website. And we'll see you after we talk to Leanne. Let's go. Well, welcome, Leanne, to the show. We're super excited to have you here, and thank you so much for reaching out. I know it's a lot earlier here than it is for you today, <laughs> but we're really excited to talk to you. Um, and I guess we'd love to start to, with having you introduce yourselves for the listeners. I mean, we know a little bit about you, but not a lot. Yeah. Uh, so I'm Leanne. Uh, as you can probably tell from my accent, I'm based in the UK. Um, I'm 22, and I've been basically doing polyamory ethical non-monogamy uh since i was 17 wow um and (laughs) and what and what was the i mean i i guess we were like 18 and 19 so we weren't we weren't too far behind you when we started but like what was your exposure to that that got you interested at you know such a young age correction we were 19 and 20 okay fine (laughs) I felt like I was eight. I felt like I was eighteen still, you know. I was young. At, I, was young at heart. I just had to correct you. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's it's an interesting one because uh, so I I was in one monogamous relationship when I was sixteen, and then um, and that and that was that was fine. Um, I didn't, you know, I I was I just started dating, so I didn't really know much about monogamy. Never mind polyamory, um, but uh, basically. Uh, you know, about like nine months into the relationship, um, I found out that he was cheating on me. Um, and he had been cheating on, like he, he told me he like kind of fessed up about it. It wasn't like I found out. I think he just felt guilty about it and then told me about it, but he had been cheating on me with a guy for the past three months. And obviously that really hurt me. And, you know, when we were having conversation, I was like, why, you know, why would you do this? You know, we, we, we love each other so much, et cetera. He was like, oh, you know, I've always kind of, um, you know, I'm bisexual. I've always kind of wanted to experience, like explore my sexuality, um, and that type of thing. And I was just like, you know, uh, like I said this to him at the time, I, I said, if you wanted to explore with guys, you could have just asked me and I would have said, yes, like you didn't have to lie to me. Um, and he just kind of looked at me like I had just grown a second head. Um, and like, that was when I realized that like, you know, I didn't really like think like everyone else when it came to relationships. So like, I think that was like the moment when I first like twigged that, um, 
you know, maybe I was like a little bit different, but I didn't think much of it at the time. And then my second relationship, which was like a year later, um, obviously, you know, after that whole thing, we didn't stay together for that long. Um, my second relationship, we went long distance um, about four months in because like I, uh, we'd finished school and like I was going back, uh, I, I was going to visit my family and he was going to study uh, in America. And so it was just a logical step to open up the relationship because uh, we talked about it and we were both like, yeah, I mean, we love each other. We're pretty secure. Um, it kind of, uh, you know, and I said to him, I was like, you know, you're starting university like Freshers Week. I, I know it's going to be like a ton of fun and I don't want you to miss out on those experiences by like, you know, being tied down to a partner um, because I can imagine that would suck. Um, so I was like, you know, like, I'm very happy for you to go and like, just have fun. Um, and yeah, and I was like very encouraging and, um, and yeah, it, it just, it just made sense to me. And so, yeah, like that was kind of my first experience with non-monogamy, but at the time it was very much a like open relationship rather than a polyamorous relationship. So it right. was, um, you know, like, well, sexually open, like romantically monogamous, if you will. But uh, yeah. And like that went pretty well for me, you know, like I, uh, like I, I, I barely feel like any jealousy. Like I'm one of those rare types who doesn't really feel it that much. And so, you know, I was always very compulsive, you know, he'd tell me about like these girls that he was having a good time with. And I'd be like, yeah, that's amazing. You know, but like, yeah, that, that, uh, but then I started seeing other people and then he had a massive problem with it. And so like, yeah, so that, uh, you know, like it, it was, it was an interesting kind of thing to navigate, but like that didn't work out for like, a bunch of other reasons but like yeah so since then every relationship i've had has been some form of open um okay. but my current relationship is my first like properly kind of polyamorous one because i think just along the line i was like you know why am i uh, like you know feelings like if they happen they happen and you know if i'm secure in the relationship like why does it matter it's not taking anything away from me attraction is normal mm -hmm. right. right and i just i just felt then i just felt like it was fine to just be like authentic and honest about our feelings instead of like holding them back wondering like what could have been with this other person kind of just you know exploring that curiosity instead of just like sitting there and like wondering and possibly resenting your partner for holding you back and so yeah so my current relationship was my first polyamorous one we met in um november 2018 and we've been yeah we've been seeing each other and like other people um since then so yeah that's kind of my whole uh, timeline basically yeah <laughs> yeah Thank you so much for sharing all of that. Uh, I was curious, growing up, did you ever have non-monogamous relationships or other relationship styles modeled for you? Um, no, because I, so I, I actually, so I've only been in the UK for the past six years. Before that, I was in Hong Kong. So I grew up, I grew up in Hong Kong. Um, and yeah, Hong Kong is quite a metropolitan kind of international city. But I think at the end of the day, it is uh, more conservative. And, you know, I barely had any queer representation growing up let alone kind of any, any kind of alternative relationship styles like I didn't even know that like gay people existed until I went to a summer camp in America when I was 13 and so um you know and it wasn't until I came to the UK and was able to just like be independent you know away from my parents uh could you re really kind of um experience a different culture etc that like I could really get in touch with um just kind of my feelings and beliefs on relationships and sexuality uh, so yeah, no. So basically, the the short answer is, you know, how, like growing up in Hong Kong, I had no exposure to that kind of thing at all, um, and I just kind of came in, came into it on 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 my own. And I don't really, 
I think I actually came up with the word open relationship to describe like my arrangement back when I was 17 without knowing that it was already a thing. Right. Um, and it wasn't until later, like when I realized that this was actually common vernacular and that like, you know, there were tons of, tons of also, uh, like other people who were doing the same kind of thing that I was doing and they were also calling it open relationships. Um, so yeah, I don't really know where I came across the word polyamory, but I think that must've just seeped into kind of my subconscious at some point. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's, that's kind of my, my journey with it. It was all very, very sudden in the last kind of uh, six years or so. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I, I was curious too, back when, when your first boyfriend cheated on you with, with the other guys, um, did, so you said like that relationship didn't last very long after that point. Did you two try to open up the relationship as a way to move forward together? Or was it sort of like the impact of him cheating on you and lying to you was too much for you to be able to overcome because it sounds like it, you didn't have a problem with the physical act it was more the the behind uh, of the the cheating and the lying i think i was actually like ready to forgive him and try and kind of uh, work on it um at the time but then i think he was actually the one who held back because he saw how much he had hurt me um because uh, like i was devastated you know it was it it would have been different if it was just like a one-time thing um but then the fact that he'd consistently lied to me for three months and like i had no idea and i'm pretty sure like there were some people in my school who knew before i did uh i think that was the thing that really hurt and and you know um obviously that was also really embarrassing for me and um but like i i really loved him i tried to kind of get get over it but i think he saw how much he'd hurt me and he was so consumed by guilt um that he made it very difficult for us to kind of work on the relationship because i think he would look at me and remember what he'd done yeah yeah no it's interesting because you were willing to make yes. it you were willing to to move forward with it but the both between the two of you it was difficult to get past the emotional piece behind it. And it wasn't just on your end. It was also on his end with the guilt. So I, I just thought that was interesting. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, like we, we were pretty young at the time. We probably like just had so many feelings about various things anyway. Um, I think it would have been like a tough one to, um, to move through, but yeah, like I think, you know, his guilt and kind of my hurt um, overall just kind of made it really, really difficult for both of us. Um, yeah. but you know, we moved, well, like, I, I don't know where he's at now, but I've moved on to bigger, better things. So uh, <laughs> I think it all worked out. I think it all worked out in the end. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. For sure. Well, and, and thank you for sharing that. I was, you know, I just thought that was interesting because like you said, it wasn't, it wasn't the physical act that, or acts that were the problem. It was, it was everything behind it. And, right. And that it, and that it, you know, didn't deter you from, from actively seeking that out that's, as you move forward. Yeah. That's what I was going to say is that, you know, in your next relationship, you said that you were okay with, um, like your partner going out and doing whatever because they were in at university and it, it, you didn't seem like you were feeling very hesitant about that. Do you remember feeling, I guess, uh, you said you're not a jealous person, but do you remember feeling any jealousy or any of those emotions around being unsure about opening up this second relationship? Actually, no, maybe I might, I, I don't know if I was naive, but like, I've always just put a lot of trust in my partner. Um, and I, I've always kind of, well, you know, these experiences of what, what they've taught me is that like trust is more important than trust and honesty 
are more important than monogamy. And I guess it just uh, didn't make any sense to me to like hold back and um, deny like feelings that are completely natural. And, you know, if like, as long as you talk to your partner about it, I don't see why uh, you can't act on them. And so, you know, like the fact that me and my partner, my second partner had kind of made the agreement, talked things through. Um, and, you know, I held him to his word, like that gave me enough comfort. So I, I think the the transition w was just very logical for me. Um, whereas for him, I think like he struggled more with like, um, uh, kind of self-worth um, issues and like kind of insecurity about like you know what if I leave him like if I find someone better etc cetera, etc cetera. and yeah I think I think it's an it's an interesting one I've I think like I I, I grew up in like, you know I had a, I had a pretty happy childhood I was always surrounded and uh, by like very like loving people and I think that having that uh, emotional support throughout my life like gave me the confidence to kind of see my own value and worth as a partner I always believed that like you know um, I had something unique that um, you know like that that really no one could compare to. Like that, that, no one, no one could make comparisons with because I think you know we're all unique people, um, and someone can't be better than you at being you. Um, so, yeah, like I think that was just something that um, I, I've always believed throughout my life, and I carried that into my relationships, and that kind of gave me like the confidence and security to like open up without like really any problems at all. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, like basically, you know, as long as someone is willing to be honest with me and to communicate with me, um, that's basically enough for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's that's amazing that you have come to that like feeling too, because I think for so many people out there, you know, us included, that that self confidence and seeing yourself in that light is what we're all striving for all the time. Uh, so, thank you for sharing. It was very well said. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I, I think, you know, I was curious on the maybe not not the logistics, but like. I guess kind of because <laughs> we, we haven't had too many people on the show who are as young as you are. And so I think like if there's somebody out there listening who is roughly your age thinking to themselves like, well, okay, so I'm interested in doing this. My, my partner just went off to university and I'm still, maybe I'm still in high school. It sounds like that was sort of the, the case. How was it like received by people that you were interested in? Like you wanted to start exploring this with other people, but like, I assume you're communicating openly like, hey, I have a boyfriend and he's at college, but I'm able to do this. Like, how did those conversations go when you're sort of in this radical position for somebody at your age? Um, I actually think that, um, well, way back, way back then, um, especially like, I think, yeah, like some my age when like not many other people my age were kind of doing open relationships and that kind of thing. I think a lot of people just didn't like take my relationship that seriously so it wasn't like an issue I think particularly with men um so, so so for context like I now date both men and women I came out like when I was at university um but like what when I was still only dating men and hadn't realized this yet um the men I spoke to like never really saw it as a problem they're like oh you know like as long as like uh, some guy isn't going to come up and punch me after I like get with you like I don't really care <laughs> basically um where and um that's kind of just been a trend like throughout uh you know like even even now like you know like the people i speak to for the most part don't care um whereas my part of uh, my partner who my current partner who is male 
I think he has struggled with it uh, a lot more, kind of talking to other people about it. Because uh, so he dates women, and women tend not to believe him. Women tend to think that he's cheating, or that like um, you know he's kind of playing down like how chill I am with the whole thing, um, or just you know are they more likely to uh, not trust him? Which is entirely fair. Um, I think you know women are right to be kind of more cautious of men than the other way around. Um, but yeah, for me, it's not it's not really been an issue at all. People have either not taken it seriously or like they don't care um, because like they just take my word for it. And I guess, you know, <laughs> like they're just happy to do stuff with me. So like they don't, don't care about the details. Um, whereas I think um, for my male partners, it's been a much tougher time um, speaking to kind of other people about our uh, relationship. Yeah. Yeah. It makes total sense. And I don't want to like stereotype that our guys just care about <laughs> getting with getting with people but like i think we've heard similar things in the past that like the the men seem to not have as much of a problem as as the women do and i think that's just that's trust that's safety that's there's so i think there's so many like things that go into that that it's hard to really just stereotype but it it is a trend we've seen for sure yeah i mean like these stereotypes come from somewhere right and i think that like the way kind of society um has socialized us like that definitely is a factor um and you know like all these narratives about like oh you know uh the like if a guy you know uh sleeps with someone who is partner uh, sleeps with a woman who is partnered then you know he's seen as like uh superior like to like the the male partner of of the of the woman he's with you know he's like the bull right that's the kind of the stereotype that's the archetype rather Mm -hmm. whereas like if a if a woman uh, sleeps with a man who is partner to another woman she is the homewrecker she is the other woman and that's like got a much more right. kind of negative uh connotation attached to it and i think like these kind of societal scripts really affect um how people conduct themselves in relationships and i think like the kind of focus on gender like as much as yeah we don't want to stereotype but we can't deny that these things are real and they do exist and they do influence the way that we act and think about other people yeah right? no, absolutely absolutely yeah. thank you for for saying all that. And I was curious, you know, you said you're, you're with a partner now. Um, did you, is your partner, did they have previous experience in non-monogamy or were they walking into this relationship with you? as like new to non-monogamy as well. And how has that morphed, I guess, over the last two years, has your relationship dynamic changed? Yeah. So this is a very interesting story. Uh, so basically, uh, in terms of his relationship history, he had a similar kind of, well, he was basically in the exact same situation as me. His partner was off at university. Well, actually they were both going to university together, but in different places. Um, and they went long distance and decided to open up. Um, except, uh, she, uh, actually ended up cheating on him. Um, she like met a guy over there and then, um, like didn't, didn't tell, didn't tell him that she was already in a relationship, got with him and then dumped my now boyfriend, um, like over Facebook. Um, and it was horrible. It was really, really horrible. And like, you know, uh, like, uh, like he, 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 he's like, I've heard this story so many times now, but like, it still makes me emotional. Like thinking about like how, like you could just do that to someone. And so that didn't go well for him, but that was kind of his first taste of non-monogamy. And so I think that was something that like he wanted to try out, but then he just didn't have like the right partner to do it with. And so when we met, the the way we met is actually very interesting. So the PG version that we told to, or to you know, family and friends is uh, we met through a friend, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. <laughs> 
So the the R-rated version is that we met through a friend to have a threesome. Yep. Um. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a lie. You did meet through a friend. There yeah, was a friend there. Uh, yeah. So like, it's very it's 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 pretty interesting. So uh, basically, like, there was a girl that I knew um, at, uh, who like was in uh, was at my college, and uh, she and I had like. Uh, we we had similar tastes in people basically it was something that we discovered like we got chatting and then we realized that like on tinder we were matching with the same people or we were sleeping with the same people um and you know there was just like a very consistent trend going on and we kind of we basically just set up an arrangement where basically we were like you know instead of just wasting so much time like going on dates and like two-thirds of them like not going well uh, how about we just like tell each other about like you know how about we just like pre like vet these people you know if if you match with someone ask me if i've gone a date or going on a date with them and i can tell you whether like they were a good time or not and we can just help each other out basically uh, this was like you know when we both we're both single and we were both just like you know whatever like well let's, let's just like have fun um and uh have as much fun as possible and uh so we were just like recommending people to each other and one of her first recommendations to me uh, was my current partner um because like, she was seeing a couple guys at the time um and she was like oh yeah um like he's he's really good fun um and i think like you'd really like his vibe and so i went on a date with him and she was right um and then kind of the next uh, cuz like I, I i'm bi and she's bi um and you know we both got along as people like the next kind of conclusion was like oh like let's have a threesome <laughs> <laughs> um and then and yeah and so we did and like you know it was my current partner's first threesome and uh, it was not my first threesome nor her first threesome but yeah like we all we all had a really good time um and yeah and since then it's just been a wild one and i think the transition to non-monogamy was especially smooth because um me and my current partner, we started out as kind of casual friends with benefits. And so we, we, we got, we got, really got along. We kind of slept together for a very long time. And then eventually kind of feelings kind of developed and like escalated like over like months. And then when we made it, I guess, official, uh, we were just kind of like, well, you know, we've been having so much fun together, like meeting other people, uh, going to like sex parties together, um, that type of thing that was happening at our, our university. Um, you know, we're, like, why stop that? You know, we're in love uh, and we're dating each other. Uh, you know, like, why ruin a good thing? Um, <laughs> you know, so I guess we were just open from the beginning and that was how we met and we didn't see any need to change that. And yeah, and so we're still together. He moved in with me um, in March when the lockdown started in the UK. We've been living together almost a, uh, almost a year now. And like, uh, yeah, we're very happy. <laughs> I say you haven't killed each other yet. <laughs> oh, no, no. We like the we kind of give each other space to like, you know, he like uh plays his video games, like I do my own thing, I run my blog. Um and but then we also kind of like uh spend time together but also spend time apart like even when living together. Cause yeah, like I think if we all spent all our time together twenty four seven, we definitely would have murdered each other. Um but it's, <laughs> but it's actually it's actually been fine. And um, you know, we've kind of watched so many relationships kind of fall apart around us like over lockdown, either because they were like too close together or that they were long distance and couldn't make it work. So uh I'm very glad that we've kind of survived it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's definitely a re- huge relationship test for everyone. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah. Without a doubt. I was I was also like kind of back to like the the age piece and not to like focus on it too much, but like you a, a lot of times we'll talk to people who are in their, you know, 40s, 
fifties, thirties, forties, fifties, and you're sort of a little more established in who, like who you are as a person. And I feel like, you know, in your late teens, early twenties, you're very transitional and transformative. You're like figuring out who you are, how, like, have you seen each of you sort of growing and changing over the last couple of years? Like not just because of the non-monogamy and not just because you're together, but like just seeing each of you kind of grow into yourselves. Uh, so I actually think I did most of my growing up when I was 16 or 17, which is a bit earlier than other people. Um, because, uh, when I was 16 and 17, that was the first time I was away from home. Um, you know, I got to like be independent and kind of start dating and things like that. And usually that's an experience that people get two years later when they start going to university. Um, and I, and as you've heard already, you know, my first two relationships were quite turbulent. Um, and I think I learned quite a lot from them. Um, and I also like went through a phase in, uh, at university, um, before I met my current partner where, um, I was just single and like enjoying life and trying to, you know, just like, just enjoying like myself and, um, not kind of placing like my worth, like as like relating to like other people, etc. Um, and like during that time, like I really invested, um, kind of a lot of time into, um, introspection and investigation of like my past relationships. You know, I, I looked at, I made lists. I really like, uh, looked into like the good and the bad of my past relationships and like what I learned from them, red flags to look out for, et cetera, et cetera. And I kind of took that knowledge and I took those experiences and like applied them to like any new people that I was meeting. And I think like that's, that process, um, has really helped me, um, you know, develop like the healthy relationships that I wanted today. Yeah, no, that's, that's a, that's an amazing point. And I think it makes a lot of sense. You know, we, we sort of had that once we got to university and that was actually part of the reason that we did open our relationship is we didn't want to limit each other once we got into that environment that wasn't, you know, high school. Right. Well, and we also had a, a many year background too together. Mm -hmm. So we had built that trust in each other. But yeah. Um, yeah. I think hearing that you have, you've kind of grown and had that confidence and sense of self um, from a pretty early age I'm sure has helped allow you to be open, I guess, to these different relationship dynamics and be more comfortable in them, um, which is amazing to hear. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think that, um, you know, I've learned more about myself than anything else, like through uh, just these, you know, unconventional relationship styles, because you really have to be um, securing yourself as a person, your worth as a person, um, because otherwise you're just constantly going to be making comparisons and putting yourself down. Um, and instead of, you know, just appreciating other people for how they are different from you. Um, instead of like, just like getting in your head about like how, like the whole, the, you know, like, uh, best you in some way. Right. Yes. Yeah. And that can be so difficult. <laughs> yeah. I have no idea how difficult that is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah and i think other people like take things uh, so like personally i think you know i think um you know the, you see this very commonly when, when people open up a relationship like the first thing that people do is like they take it personally you know it's like oh why would you want to open the relationship if like you know this must mean that i'm not enough this must mean uh that there's either something wrong with you or there's something wrong with me um but usually people kind of turn it on to themselves and um you know criticize like the like their partner for like attacking them and attacking their worth when really it's nothing to do with them it's kind of just something that they want out of life and it's not really anything to do with um you know how how good like 
their partner is or how or like how like not good their partner is um so yeah and i think like the main thing like that i the main piece of advice that i give to people like when they ask me about my relationships which they do a lot because you know not a lot of people my age do like do this type of type of thing um is just kind of to not take things personally if someone if some your partner or whoever like brings up an issue with you it's because like they trust you uh and like they they value your opinion um enough to like bring it up with you and uh, instead of just kind of viewing it as an attack on yourself like kind of appreciate them for um being honest with you and like trusting you enough to kind of disclose this kind of information Right, as the alternative of cheating, right, right. or yeah. doing it behind your back, right? Yeah, yeah. and that that takes courage in itself, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. for sure, for yeah. sure. So, I have a question about earlier in the interview. You mentioned sex parties at university, and I would love to know a little bit more about that because I would say where I went to school, that was not a thing. Uh, we both went there, <laughs> and and, the, and we figured they either weren't happening or we just weren't invited. So. That that's true. They could have been <laughs> happening, and we just weren't invited. <laughs> uh, I think it's a very specific scene like that you get into, and I think. Um, uh, yeah, it's this definitely doesn't happen at every university, but like at my university, it's like it, it's basically a very high stress environment, and then people like are just massive hedonists. Um, and so <laughs> yeah, so so basically, um, I I kind of fell into it like by accident. I mean, I was already like just organizing threesomes and that type of thing like on my own, um, you know, because I was seeing a lot of people on Tinder, and what I would do is you know I'd meet some people, and then I'd be like, oh, I'm also seeing this other person who you know you might be interested in. Oh, would you like to meet them? They'd be like, yeah, sure. Um, or like if not, no worries. But like you know, uh, I kind of set up like the people that I'm seeing with each other and then if they get along then the next logical conclusion is to like just do something together um and yeah like that was the the kind of thing that i was doing like during kind of my single period and also when i was like casually like seeing like my current partner and that was the kind of fun that we'd have all the time uh we would date separately occasionally there'd be someone who was interested in both of us and then we'd have some fun together or like you know i'd be just doing my own thing with other couples or like uh just you know finding two people who uh, like liked each other etc so I was already doing that. And then like, just kind of through that scene, like I ended up meeting someone who, um, like, liked to organize like bigger parties and, um, it was entirely by accident. And like, you know, she'd heard about me and heard about like the stuff that I was doing. She was like, Hey, I think you'd really enjoy, um, this party that I'm organizing you should come. And that's just kind of how I, I got into it. Um, basically and uh, since then you know i've been i've organized like my own bigger parties as well like among like, kind of my friendship group and it's all just quite chill and i think um it's a very unique uh culture at at my university for sure <laughs> and um yeah i think you know people just want to blow off steam like when they've been working super hard and like uh you know it's a very it's also quite like my 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 university is also quite left wing like as are most universities to be fair and um yeah, like I think I think people are just it's very sex positive and like everyone's like very responsible with like the uh, like having safer sex. Um and so you know we all have like an understanding and so um yeah, it's it's worked out pretty well. Um uh, and yeah, we have a lot of fun. Yeah. I was I was to say I'm going to interrupt Finn for one more second. Um you said that uh it must be 
either you got to meet the right people or like you said, start organizing your own. So we just weren't organizing our own. That was the problem. (laughs) There were, there were many problems at our university that uh, precluded us from, from uh, this. Uh, We, we could have had a lot of um, male heavy (laughs) orgies at our university. So if, if you're okay with that, uh, wild imbalance. <laughs> I think it would have been fine. Yeah. Uh, sorry. I, not, I, not that I have a problem with that. I just, I don't know how many people want to go to one that's like 47 guys and three women. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? I'm sure there's, there's probably people out there who would, and I don't oh, think yeah, it would be totally. a problem. I'm just like, that's a tougher, that's a tougher sell environment. Yeah. It's a yeah. tougher sell to the yeah. crowd. But sure. um, anyway, I, inter- I interrupted you. <laughs> no, I think what I was curious was you, how how do you organize these in such a way that you are able to keep yourself safe and everybody else there like you know as safe as possible and feeling comfortable and being able to like have this dynamic that that works without it being you know scary which you know i guess you know at times this type of thing could be scary to somebody who's never done it before yeah for sure like i get i get asked this a lot and um actually you know on my on my personal blog which i will talk about in a bit um i actually did a live stream with someone else where we answered questions about like uh attending and organizing orgies and orgy etiquette so uh I'll talk about this later, but if you want to check it out, that's like where I'm like really elaborate on that point. But, you know, to answer your question uh, right now, um, I think like in terms of creating a safe environment, I think it's really important to first like vet everyone. Um, I generally keep my, my parties quite small, um, by small, you know, anywhere between like six and 15. I think 15 is like the biggest one that I've personally organized. Um, and, uh, all the, all the people who are going are either people I personally know or are friends of the people I know who they will vouch for. So I wouldn't just kind of let any random person who says they're interested to come, you know, they need to be either approved by me or by someone who I trust. Um, and I think like that definitely is one thing. And in terms of having safer sex, like, obviously I'm not going to ask everyone to produce like a uh, recent kind of like SDI reports or anything. Like I, th- I feel some people do that. I personally feel it's a bit invasive, but basically, you know, I just ask everyone to be sensible and, um, to, and I provide like at, at the parties, like everyone brings like condoms, dental dams, gloves, like whatever they need. Um, and everyone, um, like has like, the safe with like the 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 safe sex that's like comfortable with them um mm-hmm. but uh yeah like and also in terms of just personal safety rather than sexual safety we always have a conversation about consent um usually like if i'm having a smaller gatherings with like just my friends like they're all pretty solid people i don't need to talk to them about like you know don't be an asshole don't touch people if they if like they don't want you to touch them etc um but then with like larger groups there's usually a thing at the beginning where like we'll be like Hey, um, you know, this is a, like, like here, here are, here are the rules. Um, at some of the parties that I've attended, um, like with like larger groups, uh, there usually is a universal safe word. And I found that to be really useful basically, because like that, like setting that out at the beginning, having a conversation in the beginning means that like everyone has that at the back of their minds, like whatever they're doing. Um, and there is the understanding that, um, if you break any of these rules or like if, uh, you know, if, if someone says even like if it, if it's heard down the grapevine that like someone said something dodgy about you, you're immediately blacklisted. 
So it's a very strict um, at the parties that I've attended, and like, the, and I try to curate that in my own parties as well, um, because yeah, like the, it's a very uh, um, vulnerable environment, and it's also very overwhelming for a lot of people. And um, the bigger the group is, the harder it is to control. So um, yeah, that would be kind of just my 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 general tips: like have universal safe words, have like a consent kind of discussion at the beginning. Uh, you know, vet people have other have people vouch for other people. So there, so you know, if someone like comes into the party and causes trouble, you can be like, "Who let that person in here? Who is responsible for them?" And kind of talk to them about like you know their vetting process. Yeah, yeah. So like that, that's that's my my general tips. Like, and I've been doing this like for uh, well over the course of my degree. So you know, over, like three years. Obviously not so. Yeah. Obviously like not during the pandemic, but yeah before <laughs> that's, yeah, that's yeah. an important clarification <laughs> yeah and i think i think too just for people and, and thank you for like kind of going into the the weeds a little bit on it because i think you know you hear oh leanne hosted sex parties at university and you have this vision of like you like stapling flyers up in the you <laughs> in know the common areas in the common <laughs> areas like sex party at 8 p.m tonight bring you know bring anybody you want and i think the understanding that it's like usually (laughs) six to 15 fairly close knit people who are, you know, well vetted and continuing to vet each other and weed each other out. Like, I think that's, that really helps paint a a much better picture than what you might see in like the movies. Um, So thank you. Yeah, for sure. It's so, and also like people have so many misconceptions about what sex parties are like. Honestly, I think that sex parties are just like any other house party, except that the sexual component is just, you know, a bit more emphasized than usual. But, you know, there's still, it's not just a pile of bodies that everyone falls into it from the beginning and just continues throughout the night. It's like, you know, it's like a regular party, people mingle, and then people go off and, you know, do stuff. And, you know, it's, it's, it really is like a way more chill than most people think it is. Um, and no one is obligated to have sex with anyone at the party if they don't want to. I mean, I've been to orgies where, uh, like there have been people who are just there to like, um, watch other people, how, like, you know, soak in the atmosphere. They don't even take their clothes off. And I've met monogamous couples at, um, orgies who don't participate uh, in any sex with other people, but they just like to have sex with each other while other people are having sex around them. There's all kinds of things that, that you can do, um, at an orgy. It's just like whatever, the, uh, whatever you're comfortable with basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for like spelling that out very clearly because yeah. I think like Finn said, there's a lot of misconceptions out there. Yeah. Pe- people get the view or the, the, the vision the story they tell themselves, right, is you walk in the door and everyone's just immediately going to town and that's <laughs> just not the reality. So. No, no yeah. uh, abso- absolutely not. Yeah. And, you know, I think um, if, if say, like, if I really was, like, putting up flyers and stuff, like, imagine the kind of atmosphere that would be. Um, right? Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Most people don't know, don't know how to conduct themselves with regular one-on-one sex. Like, how can you expect them to know how to conduct themselves, like, in a larger group setting? Like, when, you know, especially when people are like usually getting intoxicated as well like that's another dimension that comes into it so yeah you have to like it's you have to be extra extra careful like if you're already careful with like one-on-one you have to be even more careful in a group situation because you know when there's other people like there's much more kind of confusion like you know in a group about like initiating initiating things like doing a new sex act etc you have to be very very clear with every every step of the way whether the person or people that you're engaging with are um are okay with it and that's why it's important to kind of vet the people um mm-hmm. and um yeah like I, i've i've attended parties at university that uh 
that have been like way bigger <laughs> than, than the ones I've organized. So I said the big, biggest one I organized was 15 people. Um, but I think the best one that I attended, um, uh, I didn't organize, had about like 80 to 100. Whoa. Yeah. And that, <laughs> and that was, that was wild. Um, but then, um, I think, yeah, it's about finding like the right type of people and finding like the community. And I think usually, um, you know, if people are, if like listeners are wondering like, Oh, you know, how do I find my people? Like, how do I get into this scene? I would say find like sex positive, positive spaces and especially queer spaces, because I think that, um, mm-hmm. The queer community, you know, they're already in unconventional in one way. So then they kind of just lean into it basically and do other things that are also unconventional. And so I think that, um, uh, the vast majority of the people I've seen who are like into this uh, sort of thing have also happened to be queer. Um, and, uh, yeah, like what you guys said earlier about, you know, um, if you guys organize an orgy, it'd be like, you know, 47 guys and three women. I, I, I think like a, a tip that like people don't talk about very often is, um, I personally think that, um, an orgy is best if it is around two thirds women or two thirds yeah. women or like, you know, non-binary, like femmes, like, you know, just non-men. Um, right. and this is for several reasons. I think it's like for like safety of like the women who are attending because i think it can often be a very overwhelming atmosphere i think that overall like uh having more women there encourages uh more kind of uh sex that uh, like that isn't focused on penetration um and i think you know people are are more likely to slow down uh, explore like different types of sex that aren't just like you know p and v um and just generally like have more fun overall and thirdly uh, I have also found that like uh, where orgies where um, there have been like two thirds non-men, um, people who have penises, they uh, tend to malfunction less. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that, that's that's something that I've noticed in like my time like at sex parties. Yeah, I guess that makes perfect sense, right? If you have, uh, you know, 50 holes and 50 pegs, you feel like you have <laughs> every single peg has to be ready to go. So that makes, that, that's actually I hadn't thought of that. Yeah, um, makes sense. And I think, yeah, I think just thank you for sharing all that. And I, I did want to say one thing though, like you know, we you said like your biggest one you were at was eighty people, and I think that could sound crazy, but also when you think about it, like that's really not any different than if you were to go to like a swing club and there's yeah, eighty right. or a hundred people there. The only difference is like these are all people that are your peers rather than random people coming together who totally. found it on the internet. So I, I think it's, it's actually less crazy to me than going, going, to, a club. going to a swing club, um, you know, in your, your hometown or whatever. So yeah. yeah, that actually wasn't the biggest one I attended. Uh, that was the most fun I've had ah, at a party, right. a party. But like, um, it, like the biggest one I've attended actually had of closer to 300 and that was too much. Um, which is why, like, I talked, I talked about vetting at the very, very beginning. I think that, um, that party, like that had that many people was not well vetted. Um, because I think at that point, at some point they were just trying, trying to get people to buy tickets. Um, and like they let some people in who were not so good at consent. Um, nothing happened to me. I'm just saying like that the atmosphere was like very different. Um, and I think also like a lot of people didn't know what they were doing and they would just kind of sit around and like ogle other people, which was very uncomfortable. I think like a thing that, uh, I think something that people don't think about at orgies is like, um, just because people are having sex like openly doesn't mean that they want someone to just sit there and watch them. 
Yeah. Um, and I think like if you're gonna go to a party and like you know watch other people, uh, if you're gonna be close enough for them to notice you, I think it's polite to just be like, hi, like you know you guys look like having fun time. Like, can I like sit and watch you guys? Uh, rather than just kind of sit there and be a creep. <laughs> um, I think that's a, that's something that people don't think about very often because they think, oh, you know, these people are like just like having sex like so openly. Like they must be fine with people just sitting and like, uh, like you know, getting off to like getting off to them. And it's not, yeah. it, is, it isn't necessarily that, that. Like people like the atmosphere. They don't necessarily like being watched and focused on. Yeah, right? no, for sure. For sure. Um, I wanted to maybe change the subject just slightly, um, getting... Mm-hmm a little closer to, to wrapping up. And we want to give you time to talk about your blog because it sounds like it's uh, an excellent resource. We've taken a look and we, we know it is. And also back to, you talked about your live stream. Is there a, we can get a link for that, right? That we can put in the show notes for everybody or. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, there is. Perfect. Yeah. We will make sure to include that. I just wanted to say that here. I am. It sounds like, so your current sort of dynamic is you have your more serious primary or anchor partner. And then more casual connections outside of that is it's it also sounded like you said you were kind of just open to whatever is there sort of the the feeling that like if you or your partner were to develop like deeper feelings that you would kind of go into like the more you know polyamorous having like two or three like um like deeper loving relationships at the at the same time or is that sort of not where you're feeling it right now um, I think like the main constraint for us both has been time and also obviously the pandemic. Um, and, um, you know, we've both got our own personal projects and that kind of thing. And, you know, neither of us need multiple romantic partners. So it's not like, it's not something that we're actively looking for, but it's also not something that we would deny if the opportunity came up. Yeah. Um, I have not yet had the experience of having two or more serious relationships at once, but my partner has, okay. um, because while we were, while we were dating, um, he had another girlfriend um for about six months or so and uh, that was fine um and you know that's something that like he was comfortable with but equally he didn't like need it so basically where we're at is um yes we're anchor partners um but then you know we're very open to just like having things change and you know renegotiate whenever needed um and mostly we seek out uh casual connections i think both of us like the way we've 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 kind of worked with like dating is we usually with meeting new people we start out casual and then if the sexual chemistry is good and then you know we keep seeing each other like over time like feelings develop i think both of for both of us it takes time for feelings to develop so i guess you know you can say like we're like both kind of demi-romantic like in a sense and so yeah like basically it's you know it took me ages to find him so i imagine it'll take me some time to find someone else <laughs> um and yeah we're just open to like whatever whatever comes and uh yeah. you know i've had a metamor in the past i was fine with it uh and yeah so yeah that's that's where we're at right now we're in no rush basically. yeah yeah well thank you for sharing that i was also curious how open with family and friends, I guess probably with lots of friends, but like, are you about being non-monogamous? So I, my, my family know, but they don't want to hear about it. <laughs> okay. So um, yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. They mostly think it's like a sex thing, which to be fair, currently it is. Um, so I don't feel the need to kind of like, really like, like talk to them about it at length um i think you know that a conversation will be had like if i do develop like like another serious relationship um and that will be an interesting time but like for the moment my parents kind of ignore 
the fact that like they they ignore the fact that I'm bi they ignore the fact that I'm poly they ignore the fact that like I'm like very like sexually active and I guess promiscuous um they try not to think about it especially because you know I grew up in Hong Kong I grew up in um conservative Asian country I am Asian and uh so that's been that's been a difficult kind of cultural um disconnect as well yeah yeah that makes sense and I think you know and I don't think it's uncommon for people when it is just when it is just a sexual thing, like we don't go around telling our parents and family about the sex we're having with our, you know, partners, our husbands and wives <laughs> typically. Mm-hmm. So like they d- it doesn't necessarily make sense to like go into detail. Like you said, they know about it and they don't want to hear about it. I think, you know, where we kind of got to was if there was some other person or other people that were really important in our lives, at that point, we would want to clue them in and not hide these other people if if possible mm-hmm. and that that was sort of for us where we kind of came to it is like well when it's just sex stuff like they don't need to know um because that's a little bizarre but <laughs> but when there's somebody that's meaningful like we don't want to hide that person either right yeah yeah no i'm completely with you there i think that's probably the approach i'm going to take in future if like you know something something more develops like between yeah. me and someone else yeah, right yeah absolutely and, and of course, I'm very open with my friends. <laughs> like, yeah, my friends. It, it, yeah. it sounds like it if if you're comparing yeah. uh, guys on Tinder. Home, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm very fortunate to be surrounded by a very supportive group of people who are all very, um, I guess, you know, like uh, liberal yeah. <laughs> and um, uh, just open-minded. So, like, you know, so I I do have monogamous friends. Uh, but like they, 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 they are, they are cool with it and you know, they, they are fun. So yeah. it's, it's all good. Yeah. That's yeah, amazing. That's awesome. It's amazing that you have such a, a fantastic support system and network of people to, to be around. Right. Um, yeah. yeah, for sure. So maybe kind of like the last question that we like to ask, and it sounds like you've had a fair share of experiences. Um, we, we love to hear bloopers just because they're partly because they're fun and partly because you know sex doesn't always go great or relationships don't always go great and it kind of helps people understand that like even the pros um maybe don't nail it every time and if you're willing to share one or five that would be wonderful oh my gosh yeah there are so many (laughs) (laughs) oh my god i could go on um yeah. Okay. So, uh, these are all just various things that have happened at, uh, kind of sex parties in the past and various kind of group sex situations. Cause usually like, um, you know, a lot of people are just kind of there to have fun and don't really know what they're doing. Um, I think like one that was just funny was like a foursome that I, my partner and I had with another couple. Um, and yeah, this is, these are like old friends of ours and, um, you know, we swing now and then, um, and basically one time, uh, you know, after like the, the, the sex itself was fine. It was great. We had a great time. And it was afterwards when we were all kind of picking our clothes up off the floor, um, that, um, my partner and like the other guy like picked up their underwear and at the same time realized that they both had the same underwear. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then they just, uh, there was exactly the same like black next boxes and they just picked them up at the same time, looked at each other and they were like, oh no. And it was kind of like that. Do you know that Spider-Man meme? Do you know that meme where like the two Spider-Men are like pointing at each other with like finger guns? Uh-huh. Like it was like, yeah, it was exactly like that meme. Like you, if you know, you know, and like <laughs> it was like like that, like with, with the boxes and they were like, oh my God. No, but fortunately um, they discovered that like uh, the other guys was like a one size bigger than my partner. So like, it was fine. Like they just checked the label and they were like, okay, it's like you know we know who's is who's um, <laughs> like, 
that's just something that like happened uh uh yeah and that so that was that was that was really funny and then i guess um with uh other other stories have been like oh my god uh uh oh yeah i once had a uh, like basically like before one of the uh, like the bigger sex parties that i was going to you know um my uh, like the the person who invited me was like oh yeah no you can bring your friends you can like um have some plus ones plus twos like whatever um and i decided to bring like you know the people that i was like sleeping with at the time which was like a group of like five or six people um and the day before the, the, the big sex party we had a smaller sex party of our own because i basically my idea was like oh we should all get to know each other because you know we'll be going as a group and we should have fun and we went to a like the night before the big the big orgy we went to a party in my college like a regular party like a regular normal non-sexy dance party and you know we we all like danced together as a group and then you know obviously like at, later on in the night we were all like making out with each other like in front of like everyone else in my college um and basically like you know all like i was completely sober i was completely sober throughout that whole thing um and obviously like end of the night it was fun like you know went back to my place all good uh but the next morning there were so many rumors going around at my university because like people were like did you see that like leanne was making out with like five different people last night like how much did she have to drink and then i was just like you know people came to me and asked me about it they were like yeah so like you were like super messy last night and i was like no, I was completely sober. Like these were my friends. <laughs> Everyone was just so shocked. Um, and you know, cause they were like, Oh my gosh, like, why would you like, you know, they were they like, okay. Then like, I think everyone was just really confused. Like seeing like us as a group, like all just like taking turns, like making out with each other. And that just wasn't something that we were thinking about at the time, because like uh, in my friendship group, that's like fairly normal. <laughs> um, but yeah, like when we just kind of brought that out to like the wider kind of like culture um at at my university everyone was like what is going on with these people yeah so like that that's a funny one um and oh god i don't know like just so many random random things have happened like (laughs) well what we'll have to do we had a guest um from a couple of months ago who hosted uh and organized like the orgy club at yale um back when he was going there and what we should do is get the two of you on a panel and you can compare stories. university orgy um <laughs> stories because i imagine that would be a wild um baton handoff back and forth <laughs> oh my god yeah that would that would be that would be incredible like i'm a hundred percent down for that we will have to try to organize that um yes that would yeah be i'm so i'm so down for that <laughs> amazing well thank you so much for sharing all those stories uh yeah it's awesome and before we let you go we would love to give you the opportunity to plug your blog what is it where can people find it of course we will have mentioned it at the beginning of this episode as well but we wanted to give you the opportunity to talk about it as well sure um so i started a blog uh last november um it's called polyphilia um and it's on facebook instagram and twitter and you can find it on all of those platforms at the same uh, username which is polyphilia blog p-o-l-y-p-h-i-l-i-a-b-l-o-g um and i started in november but it's basically ballooned i'm almost at 10k followers on facebook i uh gained 300 new followers today on instagram um you know i'm like over six thousand there 
Um, and basically what I do is I post memes every day. I post memes related to polyamory, ethical non-monogamy, and basically just personal growth in open relationships. Um, and yeah, I post a new meme every day and lots of kind of educational posts and tweets as well. So yeah, please follow me there. Yeah, yeah that's awesome. That's amazing. And thank you for doing that and um, for embarrassing our Instagram uh following following uh we, we appreciate it we've been doing it for almost three years and we're nowhere near that so maybe we need to step memes. our damn game up memes. we are the way to go to share memes yeah. like i i was it was originally started out as just like a regular blog but then i started posting memes and suddenly my reach was like hundreds of thousands of people so that is the way to go that is the secret so memes are the way to go okay yep, we got it now we gotta... we've got competition <laughs> <laughs> it's not competition no, it's, it's not. all to support each other i'm well aware i'm well aware all right well <laughs> thank you so much leanne for reaching out uh for coming on for sharing such a an amazing story and i think i don't know it's just fun to see and to hear that like people in their early 20s and late teens are are being much more open-minded than, like and it's not just you right obviously you're at parties with you know up to hundreds of other people so like you're not alone in this mm -hmm. and i think that's encouraging to see um that that coming down so yeah it's so, huge thank you yeah yeah all right thank you too i'm really 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 glad to have um you know appeared on this podcast with you guys it's been a great time awesome well have a wonderful i guess night on your end and we will uh we'll be in touch yeah thanks again yeah okay thank you and we're back Thank you so much, Leanne, for reaching out and coming on the show and sharing your amazing story. We had such a fun, fun time talking to you. Yeah, I was just going to give a couple of quick updates on things we talked about. Uh, she mentioned a live stream she did with somebody else about creating safe environments for sex parties. I have those links. Those links are in the show notes. We told you how to find them in the intro, but they're at normalizingnonmonogamy.com and click on the podcast tab. Uh, the other thing was we talked about a roundtable discussion with her and Zach, and that is going to happen. Um, it, we haven't scheduled the date yet, but it is going to happen. And we're pulling in somebody else who took over the Yale Orgy Club from Zach. Yep, the Yale one from Zach. Sorry. After why do these cars keep driving by while I'm talking? <laughs> and then I'm like, a, I'm like a dog, like squirrel. <laughs> anyway. Uh, so there will be a roundtable discussion with Leanne, Zach, and actually uh, someone who took over um, working or organizing the Yale Orgy Club after Zach left uh, more recently. So a fantastic discussion we're going to have on that. And um, yeah, we'll keep you posted on when that's happening. We just thought it would be fun to let you know that it is actually happening. We weren't just blowing smoke. Yes. We're super, super excited for that. The other quick thing we wanted to mention is that we know that people are getting out and able to meet other people more frequently now, especially with the vaccine rolling out. And it's really exciting. So our favorite way to get tested for STIs is to use stdcheck.com. And we'd love for you to check it out as well. If you use the links on our website, you can get a discount. And it's only $139. I think it's only $129. With oh, discount. right. With the discount. You're right. You're right. I'm always right. Thank so, you. It's on recording again. <laughs> it's $139 normally. You get a $10 discount for using the links on our page. And it supports the show. It's an affiliate link. So thank you. Thank you for doing that. It's a super simple process and it's very private. You don't have to go and have any awkward conversations with anyone. Yeah. And I was just going to maybe say, Emma assumed just because you got vaccinated, you're going to start going and having sex with people. Uh, that that's was a very, that was, a, that was an abrupt segue, but <laughs> you know what? We're going to just assume that's what's happening. So 
Get your vaccine. Which I don't know if I should recommend that or not. I don't know, but like no, I just assume. No, it's fine. No judgment. But the, the steps are get your vaccine, get tested for STIs, and then you're ready to rock and roll. Yes. All right. Okay. We'll see everybody next week. We've Wait. got a fan. Oh, we don't have an interview. Are we taking a week off? <laughs> we do have an interview, but I was going to say, don't forget, go sign up for our meet and greet April 17th on our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com. You can also contact us there, as we always say. We'd love to check it out, have you check it out. And Tonight yeah. is the Patreon call. So patrons, if you're still listening, we'll see you tonight. Yes. Now, Next week. We do have an interview. With Bella and Jace. I thought we were going to take a week off. Nope. All right. Next week. That doesn't happen. Bella and Jace. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see everybody in a week. Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening.